Welcome to Devotions in the Deep End. I'm Cam Buchanan from Mount Gambier, Australia, and this is my quest to teach the whole New Testament as deeply and helpfully as I can. So grab your Bible and a beverage of choice, and let's take a few intentional minutes together in the deep end. Welcome back to Devotions in the Deep End. In our last episode, we began to look at a section of Scripture known to us as the Sermon on the Mount. In particular, we started looking at the first few verses, which are called Beatitudes. That's a fancy word with Latin origin that refers to the blessings that Jesus speaks of. We learned that we are blessed if we can be poor in spirit, and now we'll learn about another way Jesus says we come under God's blessing. Matthew chapter 5 is the passage we're exploring, and I will read out verse 4 now. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. A disciple of Jesus and the kingdom of God is somebody who lives in a state of mourning. There is an element of grieving that we are required to experience in order to attract God's blessing. As we consider the ministry of Jesus, we see that this is a deliberate and distinct thing. Isaiah 53 verse 3, speaking of the ministry and the suffering of Jesus, says this, He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10 also speaks of Jesus. Let me read this verse to you now. I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child, and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. When Jesus identified with mankind, he became deeply acquainted with the grief and the anguish of our lives, in particular the grief that comes with the spiritual separation that sin brings. When we read of the compassion of Jesus in the Gospels, we often see this coupled with grief where the plight of fallen man moves Jesus in the deepest way. We see him grieving at the sickness of mankind and at the death of mankind as well. We see this grief when he observes those around him walking around like vulnerable sheep because they'd become separated from the shepherd. We see this as he laments over cities that had rejected him. In his human ministry, but also as a deity lamenting the generations of missed chances to shine. When we look at what Zechariah writes, we see there is a grief that comes on man when we come to the realization of who it is that we've pierced. When we say yes to Jesus' call to follow, part of that experience will include a sudden acute awareness of the ramifications of the cross. A time will come when we realize just who it actually was up there. The right response to that will be grief. Jesus identified with our grief and mourned for us as we lived in our fallen state, so that we would identify with the grief he himself endured to draw us back to himself. The mourning that is being prescribed here is the awareness of our own dead state, and repentance should arise from that awareness. It's the profound sadness that should rise up within us when we realize the gravity of the sin in our life. The fact is this, our sin really is a big deal, 
it's enough for God in the flesh to be punished at the hands of men. That should grieve us. The old way of dealing with this grief was to place your sin in a symbolic way upon an animal and allow it to shed its blood at the hand of a priest. Sadly, as Jesus is speaking, the Jewish leadership oversaw a system where the symbolism remained, but the mourning no longer did. The Pharisees ensured the process took place seemingly to the letter. Ritual purity was key for them, and the sacrifices were a very big part of that. The Sadducees, who occupied priestly roles, played a somewhat diminished part in this. They didn't really believe in spiritual matters as much as they should, given their roles. So they had become little more than holy butchers in the process. From one group, entitlement replaced grief. From the other, indifference did. A sense of personal and communal grief had been lost in Israel. As a result, huge religious events like sacrifice became merely hoops to jump through and boxes to tick. Jesus was calling here for all of that to change. Soon, all mankind would look upon the man they pierced. They would see the human sacrifice and bloodshed. They would realize the actions that put him there, which was human sin. And they would realize the unworthiness of the people who had nailed him up there. It was their sinful selves. Then there would be genuine mourning. They would see what God sees in us and be as grieved as he is for us. And that sort of grief would draw them to repentance. And only then would they again enter that happy and blessed position before God. There was another element to our mourning that would come as well. There would be the separation of our sinful alliance with the world. This doesn't by any means lead to shutting ourselves off from the world. Our witness in that world is vital. But repentance requires a bit of healthy separation from the loud, sinful influences that were once in our life. Repentance is a change in the direction of our life patterns, driven by the shift of the agenda that we're living for. Jesus calls us to his kingdom agenda. Therefore, things dramatically change for those who answer his call. Our internet browsing patterns change. Our anger problems get addressed. Our addictions come under personal scrutiny. Our entire moral and ethical code will require adjustment. The changes we make in this life will bring about an element of grief. Answering the call to follow Jesus will cause us to mourn the apparent loss of some of those things. But our standing before God is worth all that. Our position of blessing before God is worth the journey of grief and mourning. Our old life is nailed to the cross. It's dead. But Jesus brings comfort to us in the midst of that sort of holy grief. Back in episode 3, which has turned out to be a very popular episode, we looked at Jesus' ministry in his hometown of Nazareth. There he read a key passage about himself in the synagogue meeting, which is worth looking at once again now. It's Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 3. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, 
and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Revelation 21 speaks of a Christian's future eternal hope. In verses 3 and 4 we read this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Those that mourn will be comforted. In this life, as Isaiah 61 suggests, Jesus proclaims us as forgiven and calls an end to the mourning. Instead of the despair of failure, he gives us the utterance of praise because there is hope for our future. And in Revelation, we see that this comforting hope is eternal. At the end of time, all sorrow will be done away with. The emotional issues of grief and loss, as well as the grief of failure and regret. So let's take some time to reflect on this now. I didn't grow up in church. I wasn't born and bred into Christianity, but I have been around the church scene for quite a while now. Enough to know what going through the motions looks and feels like. We are called to a lifestyle of spiritual mourning. A way of life that acknowledges the grief of leaving the old life as well as the grief of knowing my sin put Jesus on the cross. We are supposed to be grieved at our sinful ways and grieved at the lengths taken to redeem us. In other words, we live in a state of constant awareness of the gravity of our sin and the gravity of the cross as a result. We're reminded through 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that we were bought with a price. And as we stay in that place of mourning, a supernatural sense of comfort comes. The grief we take on no longer becomes a burden for us or a barrier to moving forward. Instead, it feeds into a constant state of revelation about the power of the cross and what it accomplished for us. And as we stay in that mindset, the comfort continues to come, sufficient for the day ahead. Sufficient for us to constantly hold our head up and be confident to approach God through grace. As we grieve, as we mourn, we are constantly filled with comfort. But comfort without the mourning is dangerous. That's what the Jewish system had become. They did the religious things because it was comfortable to do what they knew to do. But they no longer had the sense of appreciation for the weight of sin or for the holiness of God or the grace in place where something else and later someone else would bear that weight so they didn't have to. A sense of mourning, as Jesus describes here, keeps us in that place where we appreciate all those things. We appreciate who we are without a saviour. We appreciate the holiness of God and his wonderful grace. We appreciate the cross. We look upon the one we pierced. We grieve our sinful state and we come to repentance in response. And as we do all this, we are continually comforted by Christ through his spirit. So as we consider all those things, let's finish with a word of prayer as we bring this episode to an end. Jesus, I come to you in mourning. I come understanding that I am in constant need of a saviour. 
I take this time now to grieve my sinful ways, knowing that as I do this, I will experience afresh the power of your comfort. Jesus, help me to adopt a lifestyle of appropriate mourning so that I might have the constant experience of your comfort. Help me to not go through the motions as I consider the work of the cross. Help me to not get to a mindset of arrival. Instead, help me to remember and always be captivated by all you have done for me. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about this podcast and other ministries I'm involved in, go to my new website, www.ministryinthedeepend.com.au. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and even YouTube. So please like, follow, subscribe, connect, and comment wherever you can. I look forward to catching up next time. See you then.